0: episode two hello hello <laughs> so it's been a couple of weeks um lots has happened
1: what's mm-hmm.
0: happened in the world and some of it has made it to the podcast mm-hmm. and 90% of our list hasn't which is a good sign
1: our absence has been felt around the world the, the world held its breath whilst we were away
0: i know I, I mean we only put the uh the, the first two podcasts online yesterday but i mean yeah. since then <laughs> all hell has broken loose yeah. um <laughs> but it's good to now be back in the ry- rhythm mm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i guess topics conversations things that we're going to talk about and a few of them are kind of even they they've almost we've allowed them to take shape and become an actual become a story since we've spoken last rather than kind of necessarily on this first topic which is the wall street bets subreddit mm. and the various things that happened that was about a week ago now i think so i think we're in a good place now to comment on it in retrospect yeah and uh, have some interesting sort of things to share
1: i think when it was happening it gathered momentum so quickly that it kind of caught a lot of people off guard yeah
0: it's, it's one of those things which I would have expected to have seen like kind of as it was happening and i saw mm. it in hindsight and i mean considering and when i say that i just mean that kind of i find that stuff quite interesting and so would mm. usually sort of be trying like be in on it to some extent mm. uh, i would have loved to have been in the the movement to sort of like kind of try and sink some of wall street's biggest names that would have been extremely interesting uh but yeah. instead i read about it in the news and had that sort of fomo feeling <laughs> i i guess one of the things that is probably good to do is do my best or do our best to try and explain exactly what went down, like how it
1: went down, the Hmm. intricacies of it. Is that worth me sort of going through? Yeah. And we can just talk about it from our perspective as well in terms of what uh, we were plugged into and how quickly stuff kind of got out. Yeah. That's probably part of it really at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, um, I'll try my best to remember exactly how it played out for me whilst talking through, I guess, kind of the, the, the thing that happened. So shorting like stocks and trading stocks, um, the technicalities behind it, I know some of, but
1: not all. Funniest part of this whole process was people suddenly having to know a lot of specific stock market terms and yeah. not knowing many and not knowing the fundamental processes yeah. of it, uh, which also revealed, I suppose, itself, a whole thing which we can talk about in terms of how disconnected the kind of stock exchanges to most people's lives and how often it's used as like a central measure of the health of the economy, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Mm -hmm. But this is like so typical of trying to come to terms with those things. So you can probably even tell me some of the specific. Does it count
0: as baggage if I sort of um, have previous dealings in the stock market? Mm.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Checking in some baggage. Checking in some baggage yeah last calls (laughs) last calls
0: so (laughs) episode two guys kind of give us give us some time baggage that i have is that kind of yeah over pre like kind of crypto was probably the first thing that i did some trading in um and the reality about like kind of cryptocurrencies at least as far as i'm concerned or aware is that they are almost they, they follow similar logics to the stock market but only kind of in the same way that trying to read tea leaves kind of will ultimately have some sort of placebo effect on the outcomes of the thing that you're trying to predict and and in the same way that you sort of you try and read graphs within the stock market to kind of understand where things are trading and how they're going and there are really clever ways of doing that and kind of i've completely forgotten the names of the strategies and stuff which at points i've looked into in some detail have you heard
1: the joke i don't know you have to tell me the economy is astrology for men (laughs) no i had not i had not i had not heard that that's good but i
0: think then it's that on steroids when you look at crypto and stuff so i guess when i was looking Mm. when i was dabbling that a little bit i tried to read the graphs but the only way that that kind of worked is that everybody was also trying to do it and i guess the same thing can be said around so some of these things so that's helped a little bit in my understanding of what's gone on recently
1: so what is cryptocurrency would be a good question
0: well, it's okay. Well, this is going to sort of probably quite quickly um, share some light on the things that I don't know about cryptocurrency rather than the yeah. things I do, but let's find out. So, yeah, it's currency that's built on a technology. That's called blockchain and blockchain technology is a distributed almost ledger of data, which is something that kind of self verifies itself through a more traceable and auditable database. I mean, I'm, I'm not, enti- but it's actually a technology rather than a currency blockchain. And that's the thing that mm-hmm. um, you can build servers on blockchain technology and. Mm. that's a really good way of encrypting data it's also a more expensive way of encrypting data so there's sort of ways that you would you'd probably look to encrypt certain things that then unlock data that is on less secure servers and things like that but it's that distributed Mm. ledger technology which blockchain is built on which enables it to be a more transparent sort of way of dealing in in money so you can anonymously see people's wallet sizes and stuff i mean i can't remember if it was you or someone else that told me about that kind of that that wallet that had billion dollars in it or something and it hadn't moved for a long time and then suddenly someone saw it emptied like people saw it emptied and they're like where's where's that money just gone and stuff like that that's right yeah
1: so so would it be would it be fair to say then that the idea of it is that modern computing technology that keeps money transactions very safe have been applied to real currency and that cryptocurrency kind of put that first and built a currency from that the first part of that
0: i'm not sure on so i I, and it might be that i didn't follow you but the real currencies don't currently have the same sort of benefits to them or attributes that blockchain currencies do so there are certain countries that And I can't remember which ones, I think Canada, I think England, actually, I think the the Bank of England and probably most countries at this point are trying to develop their own blockchain alternative, their Mm. blockchain currency, which you can then sort of shift pound sterling onto. And I haven't read about that in a couple of years or a year now, but yeah.
1: Because there are ways of trying to make those things safe in terms of using mathematics to make it almost uncrackable. But the blockchain is basically a better way of doing that kind of comes before the currency and it's built from that so it's more secure and more yeah there's like the encryption
0: technologies and stuff that exist currently blockchain is sort of i think would be classed as like one of them rather than sort of an an evolution of another so like kind of i guess quantum encryption
1: and stuff like that is the other pieces of Mm -hmm. the puzzle that are coming together at the moment is it also then the case that because it's new it's more volatile than traditional currency and that because it's more volatile it's attractive to people who can make money off it if they're able to read those waves and also it's attractive for the reasons of the technology that's inherent to it
0: so i think some of that is absolutely true i mean i think all of that is true in its own way like but i think that the the volatility of it isn't necessarily it is the attractive thing and i guess you can be kind of ahead of that curve but the volatility is isn't something that's almost a predictable kind of thing that you can really manipulate at the moment, and the reason I think that that it, that it's as volatile as it is is because of the fact that it's not very well um, adopted in across markets and stuff right now. It's not an actual currency that's sort of the same sort of distribution or utilization as others so elon musk um in the past week or two has announced that tesla are going to accept bitcoin as as a currency and they've invested something along the lines of yeah. billion one and a half billion i think it might be 1.5 billion dollars they've put into bitcoin so that sort of sent it on a price spike mm. and at the moment it, i mean
1: yeah i saw some chart that was literally a directly upwards line
0: yeah that's that probably you could probably put most of those um upwards lines kind of in, in, and draw a direct uh, sort of connection to elon musk at the moment and, and a tweet that he Made yeah. or something, yeah. but but yeah, in this specific case, Tesla was kind of the vehicle that. <laughs> excuse the pun it was the vehicle he used yeah. <laughs> to uh, m- manipulate that sort of
1: and it was the expansion in Tesla stock that put him above Bezos as the richest person in the world wasn't it?
0: Yeah I mean he's consistently recently sort of gone against people's expectations as that. so that's it's actually a really cool loop that we've come around on because Elon Musk mm. very much dislikes people who short stock and, and the reason for that as far as like at least what I've read but he's put a lot of tweets out there about how much he dislikes shorting stocks and it's because Tesla's been shorted a lot in the past as well you know kind of as a as a matter massive- it's also
1: a, also arguably overvalued currently tesla yeah yeah hugely i've heard and that's part of the reason that he suddenly so quickly became the richest person in the world due to inflated stock value
0: yeah no that doesn't surprise me i don't know exactly what the true valuation of, of tesla would be versus kind of the current mm-hmm. i think the the only thing with tesla is that it's sort of it's elon's publicly traded stock but like kind of he also obviously anything that happens with sort of SpaceX and 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 Neuralink and all of that I think also with the stock um, there's there's something to be said about the fact that it's Elon's only publicly traded stock when he's got kind of SpaceX he's got Neuralink he's got all these other things that he's working on and people are sort of almost investing in Elon Musk aren't they when they invest in Tesla so it's kind of it's a weird bubble that's Mm -hmm. kind of been that's been created
1: around him yeah you're right it probably is massively overvalued but um, so when it comes to shorting stocks but isn't that also a central reason that it's a Attractive to people who want to make money off it as in if it's volatile they can make more money more quickly if they are clever and lucky
0: yes Yes, the, that's why the essence of what you said is absolutely right. I think the volatility of the stock market, for example, could be argued to be a safer bet in some ways, or at least historically. And we're probably on a like kind of it's probably changing all the time, but like kind of the stock market is something that's a bit easier to predict until something like Wall Street bets comes along, because mm. you could more or less predict it based on the news that you're listening to and the re- and, and and the kind of the numbers that have been published and and it's one of
1: those bubbling things where it's like the the most dominant predictions confirm themselves because people are so quick to try to make sure they don't lose out or to, to win as big as they can is that right the kind of the currents of predictions yes then pretty much play out
0: yeah what you're saying there in terms of the predictions plays out in, in in ways that people also are plotting kind of lines on graphs to understand kind of when it's going to dip for for a period of time and the point with wall street bets and what happened last week was this weird thing that is shorting where you can not own a stock but you can borrow it from someone who does and sell it to someone at the current rate with the promise to buy it back and the way that you make profit on that is if when you buy it back it is worth less than it was when you sold it to them so you've bought it at a profit and then you can keep that profit when you give it back to the person you borrowed it from. Mm-hmm. And so, with Wall Street bets, sorry, a lot of the hedge funds had shorted this GameStop stock because it's a bricks and mortar chain of of shops that sell mm-hmm. games, which are now digitized, and of the pan like because of the pandemic, it was like kind of exactly the, it was a, a gem for these hedge funds to just bet against.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, Wall Street bets were like, okay, well, let's the subreddit like let's go long on these and and kind of buy, and when you buy, it sends the price up. And that's sort of what these market makers, basically, they're what give the the market liquidity. So they have the buy and the sell price of every stock. They're the ones that say, look, we're going to facilitate this trade. We'll buy it from you for X and we'll sell it for Y. And then that spread in the prices is their profit margin. So those brokers and market makers are the ones that facilitate the, the buying and selling of the stocks. And then when it's a, a desirable stock and everybody wants to buy it, then obviously the price goes up. And that sends people who have shorted the stock into uh, a loss position where like kind of all this loss was popping up on Reddit as well of
1: like kind of how much people are losing on it. So the idea is that within that system, the kind of secondary currency is risk, right? So if you're buying those stocks, which way around is it? For if you're shorting it as a hedge fund, you, you would
0: be you'd be buying the stock at a price that you think is more than the stock is going to be worth soon. Yeah. So high.
1: And so then you take on that risk. And then the way it works is it's kind of like gambling, right? Where sometimes it won't work out. And that's how the other people make money. And, and sometimes it will work out. But if, if enough people purposely see what's going on, that they've kind of over invested in something, and then purposely drive it up by all investing at the same time and it gaining enough momentum, that they can then purposely attack Live hedge funds by making them have to pay back stocks every, yeah and th- this more. is the first time that's ever
0: happened mm. and and sort of it now is a new sort of force in the market um but that's the idea and the um <laughs> the thing is and I, and I think it's worth a saying you know it's it's there's only so much i mean obviously nobody predicted that happening overnight or kind of over a couple of days and there were some big issues that the hedge funds came into because of it like kind of they were Um, um, There were a couple of um, hedge funds that almost, you know, in theory went under. There was Melvin Capital that reported they'd sustained losses of 53% in January. So their kind of entire fund had dropped by 53%. And they ultimately raise another couple of billion get themselves into a status like into a position of liquidity to to sustain that period of time until the stock goes back up or they've changed their positions and this is where like kind of when i heard and i think that businesses and i won't name them but sort of prevented people to buy and sell well actually no, they allowed them I think to sell and, and exit the positions but they didn't let, let people enter into new positions during kind of overnight there were a few of the, the trade like the retail trading apps and everything that prevented buy orders and and I was like wait a second does this mean that like kind of who's pulling strings here to make it so that kind of they can't they can't be pushing this whilst people get their their, their ducks in order and sort of manipulate but there's also and notoriously one of the biggest
1: apps was called Robin Hood, right which was the that was what I wasn't going to name just in case we get sued <laughs> okay yeah we'll work that out but if we can mention it then it's just such a flavor yeah, no, story in a sense of yeah, <laughs> yeah. um yeah and so so the people on wall street bets have been doing this kind of thing right a lot but it's never it's never taken off to this extent and it's never directly damaged a large hedge fund to this amount sure because the, the kind of momentum grew and grew and grew mm-hmm. uh i can start picking out some terms like what does liquidity mean
0: liquidity would be in in this instance with the uh with the these big hedge funds was the ability for them to sustain the trades that they were in beyond the point where um, they were margin called. And so um, Mm. there were people, there were businesses like I think Melvin Capital who struggled so much in some of their Mm. trades that they were having that those trades were being called and and they were making losses.
1: Because they had a deadline, right, which they had to buy their stock back in a company which they owned more than existed and it had been driven up so much and they had and the, the the people in the community had to hold it long enough that that would happen is that right yeah sounds about right i heard that there was a dynamic where basically the large hedge funds were potentially lying about how much they owned or when they had to pay it back because the penalty for lying was less than they stood to lose if oh yeah no that, that uh, people yeah, stayed yeah, in yeah. yeah so
0: so that would be this sort of i, I mean i was reading reports of that kind of on the day kind of people that were you know heading up these hedge funds reporting to the news mm. sta- like, and saying things and you know yeah and and those that that's in their interest to basically well what was it mostly in their interest was to Get the people in the Wall Street bets in in this whole movement, which went beyond the walls and the boundaries of Wall Street bets by the time that it was sort of, you know, Mm. peaking. was to get those retail traders to feel like they should exit their positions because the reality is, I, I think the reality is at least, that if everybody that bought stocks in order to drive the price of um, of GameStop and the various other sort of brands that then came into this mix of like kind of nostalgic brands that were going out of business. And it was just sort of like, you know, mm. and so it went beyond the walls of GameStop as well, didn't it? It went into kind of bath stores and all these different ones that mm. kind of, it was this kind of the blockbuster vibes of um, businesses that were being traded. And if everybody kept those and didn't sell them, the price wouldn't have gone back down. And so, yeah, th- th- these hedge funds wouldn't have been able to find the the cash to sustain those, those positions beyond the deadline. I'm assuming that these margin and this, mm-hmm. now now I do step into the world of assumptions, but maybe yeah. there's a point, maybe that deadline that you were talking about is when you're, that, that maybe within the margin, they sort of had the margin call, you know, they had a period mm-hmm. of time for that position to go back into, not necessarily positive, but not so negative that they weren't forced out of it. And so they were trying to do what they could maybe to stimulate it to go back down but their trades to go back up mm-hmm. in value
1: yeah yeah and i think i think it works well because our kind of spheres of knowledge are different enough that we can both call out the other person on specific things to try to explain yeah definitely uh, to hopefully cover uh the audience and to try to make it easier
0: yeah and and we'll learn more as we go and it, and, and people can learn with us and you know over time yeah um yeah that'd be good because there's there's things that um i need to know more about
1: yeah and this is one of those things where I've kind of learned more about that than I cared to, really, um, to understand the story. And like, I'm more interested in the what the story means, or what it could represent, or what, what it could mean for the future, and things like that. And every time you're talking, I'm thinking of things I could link it to. But I suppose there's also a, an element of the podcast, the the trip to the left that we're doing. I was starting to almost imagine it also episode by episode. Further into the episodes, we'll go more into the galaxy brain larger (laughs) theories yeah maybe
0: yeah no i think so i think you could mention don't don't hold back from mentioning them or you know feel that yeah put them on a piece of paper but i definitely think that is a good idea to to take for us to go on a journey figure out kind of more and more about how we want to introduce these concepts to hopefully define more and more things so that we've kind of put those foundations in place and and this is probably whilst it's going to be talking about current affairs i guess that there's also uh, there's going to have to be a value in listening to it from here in order to have the Mm. foundations laid down that we're putting down right now and for the the future episodes to build on so yeah
1: because a lot of the stuff that i was following was kind of looking at this phenomenon through the lens of class character um and a lot of it was people scrambling to work out how much are people projecting this stuff onto it and how much is it a true reflection of class warfare or like the interaction of the classes in a way that they know themselves to be classes and like subjects of class um because there was all this stuff where they had like a billionaire on the news uh in america crying and that was almost like seen as seen in some areas as a, an example of someone in the super wealthy you know losing out some small part of their wealth in a way that represented a almost a reverse uh, 2008 it's kind of the most generous class reading of this is that this was a group of workers everyday people collectively organizing to seize wealth from the most powerful and distribute it among themselves where they could but there's lots of factors that complicate that picture which we can talk about but... definitely well, I've got
0: a quote from someone um, on Reddit and it kind of draws that kind of comparison of well, the 2008 crisis being a huge driver for this and I think you know there was absolutely a dual purpose to, I, I mean everybody was jumping whether or not they were jumping on it originally for um, the two because of the the 2008 crisis or, or not you know I, I think mm. that overall the story that came out of it was driven by um, mm. the people who were who were still feeling the issues that they suffered in in the 2008 yeah. I mean so
1: this so many so many directions we could take this in because you could talk about occupy wall street which some were calling this is like the digital version of that yeah. um and also the idea that class character can also emerge from movement so people could be coming into it for all kinds of different reasons yeah. and often like the vanguard of people who are have already been thinking about this ahead of time and have organized ideas around it whether they they either kind of know how things are likely to go and therefore are steering it in some way, or people come to that when they realize themselves as part of something. And that's the idea that like through political action, people can better understand themselves as political subjects and taking part in some kind of movement, which can both emerge and be described um, beforehand. And it's like, people could go into it for all kinds of reasons. There was even, there's a lot of kind of meme, like memeness about it, right? Where people are just doing it like in a kind of internet-y way. Yeah. But regardless of that, in the same way that you kind of have the rise of a far right, which came from an online culture, like the alt-right. And I was reading recently, um, Kill All Normies, um, which was about that. Um, But there's also that idea of, you know, where does that start and stop? And at what point is it just, can you just look at the political and physical implications of it? And how much does that content matter? And how much is it driving it? And all those kinds of things. So things can emerge from it as well. Um, as well as things being imposed on it and people doing it for different reasons. Makes a sort of sense.
0: Yeah, that, you kind of um, made clear a lot of things that were sort of unable for, uh, unable for me to put words to there. Um, mm. the, the quote was uh, from someone on Reddit, and it said, To Melvin Capital, you're a firm who makes money off of exploiting a company and manipulating markets and media to your advantage. Your continued existence is a sharp reminder that the ones in charge of so much hardship during the 08 crisis were not punished your ilk were bailed out and rewarded for terrible and illegal financial decisions that negatively changed the lives of millions. When that crisis hit our family, we were able to keep our little house, but we lived off of a pancake mix and powdered milk and beans and rice for a year. Ever since then, my parents have kept a food storage and they keep it updated and fresh. Do you know what tomato soup made out of school cafeteria ketchup packets paste tastes like? My friends got to find out. So that's that's Mm. someone within the Reddit community that was one of many that
1: was that did a lot of people was that a consensus of people?
0: I have to um, thank the uh, Jacobin, is it Jacobin on Jacobin? Yeah, yeah. uh, for the quote, and therefore cannot say that I originally Mm. um, sourced it and don't know the answer to that question.
1: So um, there's so many directions again. We could talk a little bit about Obama if we're talking about financial crisis. We could talk about uh, Jacobin and the role of the like left media, um, who you know ideologically, I suppose, have a interest in pushing the class character angle because that's like their main mode of analysis. Um, I'm tempted to touch on uh, in the broadest terms the idea of financialization of the economy um, and talk about it just a little bit to the extent I understand it, um, which is that in the past few decades, uh, it's the idea that the economy has become increasingly financialized, which means that more and more of the movements of capital are disconnected to material, either processes, um, products, um, you know, Uh, locations and um, professions so that I I need to ask a question
0: sorry the when you say material
1: um,
0: I'm yet to fully know when we're checking in on the Hmm. um marxist sort of analysis of uh political structure with the superstructure and all of that or or if you're talking about material in the way that i previously understood it and and therefore i'm yet to fully know the difference
1: yeah no i'm I'm talking about it in material just physical things and um it so it's yeah it's the idea that more and more capital is generated off capital yeah that is disconnected from physical things and so uh the people the pe- the people who have con- the people and organizations who have control of the most capital are able to generate more and more merely by moving that capital around in a way that doesn't um that doesn't affect the material world very much and that back in the day like a century ago let's say the largest parts of the economy were tied quite directly to physical things and so they represented either physical needs physical um processes and that the kind of increasing abstraction from those things and financialization of the economy both means that the the most powerful entities in society are able to increase how powerful they are without affecting the material conditions of many people and that it makes the economy increasingly abstract which is almost how we came into this talking about it as being a a strange interpretation kind of process. That means people are less and less able to understand it, less and less able to uh, to understand themselves as part of it. And that itself, that abstraction, is in the interest of the most powerful. Because unless until things like this happen, people don't understand themselves as subjects within the economy that can act collectively to do things. And so that is in the disadvantage of the majority and the advantage of a powerful minority. And so that process itself is no accident, perhaps, or... A happy accident for the ruling class and that's the that's a very broad outline of how i understand it and so if you know more about it or have questions about it then that's something that you can get in touch and we can have a dialogue about.
0: 100%, yeah. And if people want to do that, they can go to triptotheleft.com where they can see all the different different ways you can listen to what you're already listening to. But you can also Mm -hmm. um, uh, give us a voice message on there and we can even play that out. Or you can join our Discord and there's going to be an invite to that in the show notes of this episode. And if they aren't in the show notes of where you're listening to us currently, go to triptotheleft.com, find another place, they'll be in there. And uh, we'll have a channel and you can give us your thoughts and share any extra information that you would like us to sort of know because we'd really appreciate that we're still sort of on a journey ourselves Mm -hmm. well hence we're taking a trip the um thing that i was trying to look up whilst you were talking and i failed and and so Mm. in in many ways i should have just um put the mouse down and stopped typing um which you don't do with a mouse but uh just in case you were wondering um the some mice might um (laughs) <laughs> That's very I was looking for and it's from Netflix's uh, series um of Explained and there was one on investing or the stock market, something along those lines. Mm. And it had a really, really interesting statistic somewhere in that episode. They're only 20 minutes long. So I kind of do recommend people maybe w- even watch it. And, and um, sort mm. of, it was a while ago that I did. But it was a comparison of if someone had $100 and invested in the stock market and kind of what they the returns would mean for them. And it would be in the dollars, mm. right, versus, say, $100 million and the, the millions that you get back on that investment and how much easier it is to accumulate wealth when you have wealth. Um, and oh, yeah. I kind of did at that point have to go look that up. So um, I, I kind of failed to uh, do either of the things that I was trying to achieve at that point. But there we go, um, worth watching that episode. And um, oh, yeah, that sounds yeah, good. good. It, is, it is quite interesting. So we we sort of also wanted to touch on the impeachment trial and
1: mm-hmm.
0: it was only recently that we sort of had the result of that where Donald Trump, good old Trumpy, got away with it again. Donald Trump? He, so, so this is the second time they're like waggling, his fist, <laughs> yeah. waggling your fist at him, like... Uh. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, listen to this. Senators, how say you? Is the
1: respondent Donald John Trump guilty or not guilty? When the books are written, they will record that more senators voted to find Donald Trump guilty than voted for his innocence, but not the two-thirds needed to convict.
0: And he is hereby acquitted of the charge in said article.
1: The slurring tones of (laughs) justice. (laughs) supermajority
0: wasn't reached. That's what they needed in order to convict him. And in in order to sort of, for the impeachment, which, so this is the second time he's been impeached. He's the first president in history to be impeached twice. Um, But being Mm -hmm. impeached doesn't mean you're convicted and, uh, you know, over the mm. over the duration of the shortest impeachment trial ever in American presidential history, uh, they mm. decided that he wasn't well. He wasn't convicted. I mean, and you know more about this um, than me.
1: Yeah. So, so they needed two thirds majority. Uh, they they Democrats have uh, fifty one because they have the deciding vote in a split with the um, vice president Kamala Harris. Because in the first impeachment trial, only one Republican voted pass it. So Mitt Romney is is often described as most centrist of the Republicans, I suppose, in the way that that is towards the left. And he was the, the one person who crossed the aisle to vote for the impeachment process to be carried out in full the first time. Uh, and then this time he was joined by others. It was fifty seven forty three by the final count. So
0: it was seven Republican
1: voters. So he was joined by six others. And then the interesting thing to note about that was the fact that pretty much everyone who joined him was either close to retirement or didn't have a re-election coming up in a long time because the general dynamic is that the base of the Republican Party are now mostly the Trump Party and the GOP themselves, a, large, a large-ish part of them want to split from Trump where they can and so they're basically being held to the views of their base in anywhere that they are um, vulnerable to re-election and even the ones who cross the aisle have already either had formal sanctions or a lot of displeasure from their voters so they are the ones who kind of decided to carry out the justice that they thought was needed but also none of them were people who yeah would suffer political consequences
0: (laughs) okay that makes sense i didn't um i didn't fully appreciate that and Mm. uh, so when it comes to the trump party the trumpists um out there and Mm. the next election and the possibility that trump would say not go back
1: yeah so 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 if this impeachment was passed and he was convicted they could have and were assumed that they would have placed a penalty on him where he couldn't run for any election any elected office again but it hasn't been passed, so he can. Yeah, so what the question, well, the question
0: is also whether or not he would run as a Republican next time, or start his own party, mm. and and the that's right, and the, the the possibility that he, I mean, us sort of leftists have to hope that he starts his own party and splits the vote, right? I mean, mm. it, there's it would have to be some extremely small percentage of people that that left to the Trump party in order for it not to be. A large enough amount that splits the vote in a way which would have a, a massive implication in the next election.
1: Yeah, if they split, if they split the vote, they're doomed. In a sense, if the electoral process was carried out without the manipulation of gerrymandering, um, the electoral college, and many other factors, the Republicans would never win anyway because they yeah, have they a, a got massive... majority
0: popular of the population.
1: Yeah, yeah, all kinds of processes. Pretty much everyone that is. Uh, less democratic or in the favor of the republicans and so from this point onwards and arguably a couple of decades a couple of decades ago they were kind of outnumbered in the voter base anyway so if they if they split it in any way they're both doomed so it's like yeah in what sense does trump's pride mean he won't side with the republicans ever again and at what point does he want to become president because that's what he enjoys doing the most uh and so he he do, do you reckon people he around enjoys him, at least doing it the most uh, or
0: is it that it puts him in a position of um security like of of kind of not being mm. prosecuted for the amount of all the things yeah. that he's done is is it just the the untouched like how untouchable it makes him yeah. I-, I don't know how much he enjoys i think he he, he
1: seems to at least like the, the front facing and like the platform of it, power, the... right i mean and and yeah yeah, yeah
0: no, that's true and he's so...
1: and the people around him a lot of them are much more savvy operators ideologically have locked kind of specific motives and they kind of push him around so it's to what extent does he go a wall and start his own party and then lose and to what extent is he surrounded by people who want to get him into power to be able to do all these things again which they would know if they start their own party they're doomed
0: well the first time that he wanted to run right they didn't want him to they they, they didn't want him until they there was something where he got there was a there was a moment at which he went past people's expectations and then everybody obviously like jumped on board and was like wow okay we can get stuff done like kind of using this but there was a period of time where they didn't nobody wanted him and even the republicans
1: yeah that's right but it's pretty much with the republicans it's every time they see that they can win any way, they will always do it. And yeah. and that's that's the dynamic which meant that this prosecution was almost inevitably doomed to failure in the sense that it seems that even the most cynical kind of readers are either correct or not cynical enough in the sense that it would have to be something extraordinarily blatantly illegal and damaging for many more Republicans to impeach their own leader that who brought them the most votes their party in history what's more what's more illegal second second most votes in america for anyone in history other than joe biden this most time. recently yeah yeah
0: yeah but what what what's more illegal as in what would kind of get them to do it that, that that's more illegal than inciting violence and causing people to sort of riot in the capitol building and stuff like that i mean
1: what yeah what, if that doesn't do it what what could i mean i guess like Drop a nuke on Jerusalem. I don't know. Yeah. Like, you'd have to go, you'd have to go, you'd have to, like, um, that, that's, I mean, the
0: fact that that's what we'd have to do. I mean, that, the fact that that's the thing that they go, right, okay, yeah, well, Trump, you know, you're out. Yeah. But, I mean, and, and even then, I'm sort of like that worryingly. And and the
1: interesting thing is, is kind of McConnell, Mitch McConnell, who was the, um, leader in the Senate when they had the majority, Mm -hmm. um, he kind of represents the GOP center of gravity of the actual party. And so he started to distance himself from Trump since the insurrection. And he said, pretty much that Trump was responsible. And then he voted against conviction, and cited his reason that he's no longer a president, and therefore it's unconstitutional, uh, which isn't true. But it's pretty much the sense that they will just find any excuse, the most plausible sounding excuse after the fact to explain what they are going to do anyway, and they will always do. Who's the current leader of the Senate? I thought he was still the leader of the Senate. Uh, no, because now the Democrats have the majority. So now it's um, Chuck Schumer.
0: Yeah.
1: Who was the minority leader of yeah, the Senate yeah, before. Yeah.
0: Um, was that since... And That, then, that was since um, the, the latest uh, round of uh, elections. And where was it that they managed to swing the majority?
1: Uh, in Georgia, Georgia. They got yeah. both their... Um, Both of their candidates, it went to like a runoff. So they were like way after the general um, and they won both of them, which was actually not expected. Uh, And so they got the tiniest majority with the VP holding the 51st vote. I mean, in terms of the Republican things that they, um, (laughs) the fact that they
0: would do anything to um, sort of get their way, I guess that brings us quite. Nicely, for want of a better word, on to the, the the stimulus checks and the issues that they're having there, and mm. and the, the the techniques that they're employing to um, get their way there as well. And I forget the the yeah. word that they use. It's sort of from Looney Tunes. It sounds like when I when I hear it. What's the um? What's <laughs> it? What's the technique? It's something like uh, cowabonka type. What's the what's the word that
1: they uh, that they're using?
0: In order to, for so, to to sort of delay the voting. Um, and it used to not really be used, but filibuster? filibuster. Yeah, I don't know why I think of it like Looney Tunes. Oh uh, just... yeah,
1: Flintstones. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs>
0: I mean, it, it feels it feels a little bit like a character from Looney Tunes or something. Um,
1: yeah, I also wanted to just quickly say about the one of the interesting tensions of the party thing is there's that weird tension where you kind of being on the left, you want Trump to start a party so that they'll so that him and the GOP will lose, but equally it would be better if there was a, a system where third parties could run. And have a shot for it, of course, so it's kind yeah. of the constraints of the two-party system are one of the central problems, yeah, and also they would play against a third party run of by Trump.
0: How how do you create a system from a 2 party like from a bipartisan sort of system? How do you hmm. move to a system which can ha- like kind of have the the opportunity for a new party to emerge? I mean, that isn't yeah. based, like it, I mean, we'd have to move away from the electoral coll- uh, college. Hmm. Uh, I say we, they would have to move away.
1: I was thinking, I was actually thinking about this earlier because this is that idea, which is quite often described as like the, the taking apart the master's house with the master's tools. Because I was thinking earlier, like do you think it would ever be possible for someone to become president and then abolish the position of a president
0: yeah and the
1: answer is probably
0: no right well they'd have to they would get blocked by all kinds of sort of loopholes yeah. wouldn't they?
1: yeah um and so it, it it was a similar tension i found in previous general elections in the uk where ukip were a party which i vehemently disagreed with on almost all counts uh, and yet it was still a bad thing that they were underrepresented in the parliamentary democracy because they had much more votes and they were able to get seats because of the first past the post system Mm. so that's one of those tensions where you kind of are happy of the result but it's in a way that is less democratic
0: yeah yeah and that then becomes sort of trying to remain consistent on your position doesn't it i mean and just Mm. being honest about the fact that yeah more more people should have been like kind of in more members of parliament should have been elected based on the numbers of people that voted for the party versus sort of actually mm-hmm. the way that it pans out. Yeah. Um, you're right. You're right. Well, I mean, are you are you comfortable with what was covered on that point before I move us on to the stimulus checks? Yeah. Um, because with the stimulus checks, the, fi- the, fi- the filibuster, I was, I was reading about it, um, the filibuster, the fil- filibuster. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading into it a little bit. And so it had barely been used before mm. really Mitch McConnell was the one who sort of made it. Like this, is, daily... this is,
1: this is, that's a great transition because that, that's yet another point of cont- where there's a tension where the filibuster itself is an instrument of mostly undemocratic wielding, but wielded by the Democrats currently, they could use a part of the filibuster um, to pass large stimulus large stimulus packages through uh, budget reconciliation, which um, Bernie Sanders is now the chairman of the budget committee in the Senate uh, after the election. There's a reason they're not Um, doing that. Do you remember, Would you know what the reason is? uh, Why they're not using that? That they haven't so far, like kind of
0: passed it through budget reconciliation.
1: Well, they can only do that uh, with packages, I think once every financial year. And they can do it twice in 2020 because of some quirk of, the financial year and something but to do with the election. What I
0: don't understand about that is, I mean, there's there's, more, there's so many things I don't understand about this. But the but they can do it, and lots of people want them to yeah. do it, is
1: the but answer.
0: The chal- but the problem is that by the time they do do it, it's months have passed since this was that kind of first brought up. Mm-hmm. The, the $2,000, which is, I think, being reduced... Like I mean, and I think Bernie Sanders is like open to the idea of reducing it to
1: 1400 Yeah, well, Bernie Sanders has already... He was originally... Um, I mean, I think originally he was pushing more than 2000 because that's what he thought. Then the party line became 2000, so he kind of stuck to it. And then it's now dropped to 1400 and he immediately dropped to that, which I was slightly surprised by. But then there's all kinds of complications to that where it's being watered down further, where there's all kinds of thresholds you have to meet in order to be eligible, which are actually now seeming tougher than the ones. That were in place under Trump's stimulus packages. Yeah, well, which so, is kind of absurd, yeah, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. Before before the election and before the Biden administration, the way that they'd managed to delay it to the point where um, it is now was original. I mean, when it went to the floor, Mitch McConnell tied it to a um, another bill, which was um, to do with national defense. I think that needed a, kind of more yeah. de- more more debate. So that was the initial sort of um, delaying tactic that, like, kind of was used by well, one of the initial delaying techniques that was used by Mitch McConnell, and then the filibuster. Which uh, the way I understand it is that basically there is nothing that starts a clock on how quickly you need to take it to the floor. uh, That there is no sort of um, harsh hard deadline as to when something has to be voted on until. It gets to to a certain point. I can't remember what that point is, but the, then you are able to sort of delay the point at which you get there by simply talking about all kinds of. Like you could talk about anything. I mean, I, I saw people talking um, yeah. about their. You know, the, uh, is it
1: Ted? Cr- Ted Cruz? Yeah, I was going to say, are you going to talk about Ted Cruz and Green Eggs and Ham?
0: Yeah, yeah, that I, I think it was that, and there was also like going fishing
1: as well, and and with his dad or something. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's used inc- incredibly cynically, right? Um, and it, But then again, it has also been used by Bernie Sanders, uh, infamously before, where he's held kind of marathon sessions in order to prevent things. So it's kind of again, it comes back to that thing of where do you use things that you think are unjust to make things that are just happen? I think I think uh, that
0: you should be all I think in that instance, I would say you should be campa- campaigning to make a system more just. And whilst it yeah. isn't using
1: everything within your power to do just things. I yeah. mean, especially especially when your political opponents will like do anything 10 times more cynically than you will ever like consider will do and like 10 times.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But they will
1: always do it. The, the the Republicans are, are much more serious about power than the than the Democrats. Yeah. Because the Democrats are now have an opportunity to to take big steps to help people in a way that will be so popular, bipartisanly, that they can do well in the midterms. They can do well next time. It will just flow into a positive spiral for them. Because I'd encourage people to watch. We can put a link in the show notes, and it's a compilation of every time the Democrats um before the Georgia runoff election said that two thousand dollar checks would go out the. Door as, yes. uh, as soon as they're elected, a two minute, fourteen
0: um, second, yeah, clip of all the times that they said it. I know.
1: Yeah, I know. and here we are, and here we are later already, and then looking months down the line, and then with complications and all kinds of open questions still. And, and they were talking about at
0: points, you know. It was it should be two thousand dollars a month, you know, or something. And it's been months since yeah. they, since it was two thousand dollars that that was sort of discussed. I mean, I'm going to just um, play this clip actually. Um.
1: By electing John and the Reverend you can make an immediate difference in your own lives because their election will put an end to the block in washington that two thousand dollar stimulus check that money that will go out the door immediately tell people who are in real trouble in the slightly less slur tones of (laughs) yeah Yeah. on a scale of slur
0: um (laughs) (laughs) they're still registering um yeah the yeah so I mean the, the the way that they are doing it like you say is completely is a cynical like they're using techniques that are just almost to watch it is unfathomable in some ways yeah. I think also just very quickly on the point that you raised about the fact that the Republicans are much more serious about power um I, mm. I think that it it could be said about the right couldn't it as in it could be said about the left versus the yeah. right in terms of looking at immediate polit- politics electoral electoral politics and the, your, your, our mm. role within it and how sort of I guess fatigue that people are now with engaging in sort of immediate politics yeah. um, and yeah. the right are by no means fatigued they are very happy to, to use the system as well as they can to manipulate it to their yeah. own advantage and yeah it's
1: their game like Mm. in a kind of really simple way the the dynamic as it tends to play out is the right are trying to gain power to consolidate power so they climb up the ladder and then pull the ladder up after themselves and then the left at least in, in terms of democrats with a small d like people who want to increase democracy the at least the idea is to gain power to give power away to dissolve power into more hands
0: yeah i think that is sort of connected to the, the the then lack of engagement with kind of the the way that the system—I mean—there's something about the fact that we're, we're interested. We're not interested in consolidating power. I mean, then there's all kinds of conversations that we could drift off into in terms of like kind of how mm. a socialist movement kind of ha- gains power and then uses the power, and then ultimately how that mm. has in other and in many instances is the is the way that people talk about kind of communism failing mm. in in, in yeah. becoming authoritarian authoritarian states. Because you
1: can talk about collective power and individual power as well.
0: Yeah. So these are all things we need to come back onto. But I just thought it's an interesting kind of uh, of link between sort of the way that the Mm -hmm. Republicans are more engaged with power and how that also translates into the right more generally and the way that kind of we should all Mm -hmm. actually be engaging in electoral politics in a way which is at least sort of advantageous to our long-term goals. We need to make changes in the short term in order to sort of achieve the things that we want to be able to dream about happening in the long term.
1: Yeah. Well, so I guess, it even, it even. I don't know if it's like a, a, a random swerve, but that just made me think of the idea as well that, for example, in the UK, the Labour Party are a big party of members and they're quite a democratic party. And the Conservative Party are a very small party of members and they're not a very democratic party. And yet, like the voting population elected a landslide victory to the Conservatives. So that just kind of, for me, typifies uh, that kind of dynamic. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a really good point.
0: Okay, so I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that... Um despite the, despite us having twice as many topics as we've already spoken about, we want to make sure that these episodes are um, listenable and uh, to and, and mm. less than a day long. So um, the, I think the final subject that we wanted to at least touch on was the new media landscape. And um, mm. I thought I would ask you what you thought about it.
1: Yeah, because I thought that was an um, important topic to talk about early on because we're kind of trying to emerge into that and trying to help build that as a kind of, Uh, institution really Mm -hmm. and just like the main dynamic being that the kind of old media was pretty uh, captivated by forces of capital so the kind of main the idea of the mainstream media towing the kind of ruling class line mostly and then the idea that that more recently there has emerged a new kind of generation of media which is quite often funded by its audience collectively and at least supposedly has no other direct connections to powerful interests that they need to kowtow to uh, in a similar way that the Bernie campaign was run. And that there is now an ecosystem of these leftist media endeavors, like from podcasts to videos to journals and in different amounts in different nations and increasingly internationally. And just the idea that we're trying to forge away way in that and join those kinds of efforts and just trying to increase yeah. the power talking about being serious about power is that when you have a more mature and effective and reliable institution of media around the kind of narrative Democratic. that you think is the most yeah mm. exactly then that will go a huge way to helping your movement or your ideas Completely. Uh, take take four completely. in the world completely and I think it's obviously
0: with the new channels Launching in England, in the United Kingdom, in in this coming year. I mean, for for yeah. us, kind of directly, there's kind of this this horizon of new media outlets that are coming to sort of radicalise or at least sort of pull the, the the media coverage in the UK in in normal mainstream ways, like to to uh, further to the right, and that the not resurgence but the the surging of kind of leftist political takes and news coverage and everything in in these formats that we're able to produce them. Is going to be key to navigating this landscape and key to us kind of maintaining a more democratic and all-inclusive com- conversation not just news like com- mm. the conversation of everything so yeah i completely mm. agree i think it's something that we've got to we've all got to kind of invest in and we're going to kind of keep working at making this a really good way of it happening
1: mm. yeah and so it's one of those things where the rising tide lifts all boats so for all kind of endeavors in this area we want to work with people we want to help people we want to see people what they're doing what works um and have a kind of dialogue that's open in that way and if i can name names then we can say that it's 100 percent murdoch free (laughs) (laughs) we could say that we could say that come on murdoch come get us um we're
0: checking our we're checking our baggage there we don't like but we don't like murdoch
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) checked in um
0: yeah i think um i think that's is a good point to end episode two on um, mm-hmm. And to to as much as we haven't really checked in lots throughout this episode on, on various things, it's now time to check out. We've we've mm. checked in on lots of thoughts, but we haven't had uh, many personal check ins. So we'll we'll see how, kind of how that plays out mm. on that side of things. And yeah. the I guess the final thing for us to say is that you bring the cheese.
1: I'll bring the crackers. <laughs> Senators, how safe is the respondent
0: Donald Johnson?